So I feel a great technology with an average problem definition is a poor product, but a decent product with a great question being addressed is a great product. So everyone should know that all answers are there in the universe, but they are waiting for the right question to be defined. So keep at it to understand what is the real problem you are trying to solve. Thanks for tuning into Product Unwind. In this episode, we have a very special guest with us. Let's welcome Sumit, a highly experienced product leader with over 24 plus years of industry experience. He had previously served as CTO for Logo Soft and a co-chairman of Digital Transformation Committee at IMC. Sumit played a key role in building India's first email service at Rediff, winning the CIO Choice of Year award consecutively for three years. Currently, he works on mentoring companies' technological teams to be ready for future digital transformations and building products using generative AI to serve B2B needs. During this episode, we had an engaging conversation with Sumit about India's internet journey. He takes us back to the early days of the internet in India, sharing insightful stories about challenges and technological limitations they faced. Sumit discusses how they have developed innovative products to accommodate low data speeds and reveals the monetization approaches and scaling strategies that had shaped Rediff's success. Furthermore, he reflects on how business metrics have evolved influencing the trajectory of product development. Whether you are curious about evolution of tech or an aspiring product manager, this podcast is a must-list. Join us on Product Unwind as we unravel this inspiring story of Sumit and his significant contribution shaping India's internet journey. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into Product Unwind. In this episode, we have a very special guest with us. Hi Sumit, welcome to Product Unwind. Good evening. Hi everybody. So how was your day so far, Sumit? Very good. I had a few meetings, just came out of a roller coaster meeting for long hours, but I'm all fresh. That's wonderful. So if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. So first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, my name is Sumit. I graduated in uh, 1997 as a postgraduate uh, with distinction holder student from BJTI. It's a very known premium institute from uh, Mumbai. And during my last year, I did 11 months of internship at TCS. And those 11 months were enough for me to understand that I'm not chiseled for IT services work and product development is my passion. So... I met this CEO now known as the godfather and the person who shaped the internet landscape for the country, then named Ajit Balakrishnan. And I walked in and I gave my interview in the uh, summer of 97. I somehow got the whole energy. I could feel it that there is a lot happening in this space and I joined that company on July 1st, 1997, and pretty much spent a long tenure as far as a software developing professional goes. I spent around 21 years of building products, innovations, and great platforms for Rediff. Exited in 2018, took a small break to rewire myself because I understood, as Alman Toffner says, the best people who survive are people who unlearn and relearn. So, I did my uh, leadership course from a Berkeley Haas Institute on Transformation. 
did work in a European firm, a Turkish firm, as a global CTO and country leader to build their fintech products and came out, as I told them, it will be a three-year tenure. I almost finished three years and I came out in September 2022. And since then, what's keeping me busy is solving the problems for companies which need digital transformation to be ready for future and being a good student of AI. So that's what keeps me occupied and that's me. Thank you so much, Sumit. So what was your journey into product management? How did you start? And what are your tips to the beginners on starting their product journey? It's a very different style of a question to answer. And I'll try and answer it in the best understanding in which I got experience little over 25 years building these products and services. The first and foremost principle of building a product is very rarely you build a product which creates the need in the market. Mostly you address the need in the market. So a good product should always stand on a great problem which you want to solve. I'll not name, but the country uses a financial accounting package, which according to me is the clumsiest interface I have seen, but it solved the real problem. And the influencers being the accountants, our chartered accountants, whose course curriculum contained that software as a part of their graduation accolades. And what happened at the end of the day, the clumsiest of the interface became the best of the product which mapped the whole country to solve a problem using digital product line, which was otherwise done on papers and submissions. So I feel a great technology with an average problem definition is a poor product. But a decent product with a great question being addressed is a great product. So everyone should know that all answers are there in the universe, but they are waiting for the right question to be defined. So keep at it to understand what is the real problem you are trying to solve. Just to give you a quick insight and digressing for 30 seconds is when we built Rediff Mail back on the Independence Day in 1998, more than three email services already existed. But the real problem for the country was they were too slow. The landscape of Indian internet fabric, which I may cover later in detail, was so weak that everyone was hungry to have a solution where when you click on a domain, a mail should load. Mind you, we had 30% features compared to what other services had and we got 65% of their share in 24 months. So that can talk volumes in terms of why a problem definition is so critical for building a good product. Having said this, a couple of tips to beginners. I feel, I, I wish I was born in the era of the youngsters who are in 20s right now, I could have done a lot more. You are, you are in the, the rainbow era of internet product development, according to me. Because all the tools, the environment is conducive to build a great product. The fabric is laid in the whole world today. The most important part, people keep talking about this acronym or a buzzword called as MVP, MVP. But even MVP, to my mind, is a very complex thing. We've coined a term which I studied and practiced wholeheartedly called as MLP. When MVP is minimum viable product, I call something even below that called as most lovable product, which is one feature of the product that stands the use case why this product will be massed, why this product can have a revenue line, why this product can be sold, why this product can become a sustainable business. And if you have that feature in a shape and form which can define uh, answer to the question posing you and the cherry on the icing 
is if you are facing that problem yourself in your friends and families and you solve it for them drunk founders of uber did not get a cab on christmas eve and created uber right so when uh, mark zuckerberg saw that nobody is uploading real pictures he created the facebook uh, then it was called as facebook pages only with adyds and gave that confidence to people that yes you can upload your real pictures and real profile so coming from that perspective if you ask me an mlp which is one feature of the whole product that defines the spine of the product is something beginners should focus on and quickly build a prototype and run it in a hyper local beta market and test and get the feedback the last but not the least i would like to tell them be patient and be iterative a good product usually takes 1000 calendar days to make it a sustainable product if you are at an idea for 1000 days if it works great if it doesn't drop the idea and do something else but do give it a thousand days which we call a three year cycle to understand from conceptualization to deployment to testing to uh, giving the product to the end users and creating a sustainable business that's the kind of timeline one should look at at the end of the day as robert kaplan says famously in his balance scorecard book anything that you build in today's world has two pillars on which it stands an it capital and human capital so do patent what you are doing as a unique thing and always build a strong team be it in the cloud be it hybrid be it in house be it your own colleagues who have the same passion but you always will be known as a sum average of four people around you and if those four people are equally passionate a presiding team can build the entire fabric of internet and build great products thank you so much those were some really great suggestions so let's begin our episode into the internet journey of india so redif.com was one of the players who brought the internet and email to india could you share some insights into the challenges and opportunities you encountered during those early days of internet in india i can begin with a very funny story on day 1 when i was hired i used to work on unix platform then i used to use apple macintosh and tcs because i worked on the first web enabled project in tcs when i was an intern you you will all know that when steve jobs came out of apple he created a a platform software platform building company called as next step and they built products as web objects and objective c as the framework in which on top of which even iphone os stands today if you ask we had a project coming from tcs and we worked on that and i got very used to a unix operating system environment on day 1 i was writing a program in perl language i finished the program in rediff i said has been shut down and i went home there were no mobile phones that time so i got a call at my home after i reached home saying sumit did you shut down the machine i said yes that was sunspark 64 i had to finish my work i shut down he said you just shut down our primary website which was connected to 64k ease line i said man i was not aware that i was actually working on the live production server so the whole unraveling of internet as a fabric happened in front of my own eyes i still recall it's it's just as if it has happened yesterday that on 18th may 1998 we launched our first service called as redif home pages it's like everyone should have their own you have these social pages that at that time we thought about everyone should have their page on which they would upload their photos their messages their descriptions profiles etc 
we were given a table which was like four feet by two feet wide in a VSNL Pravadevi, which is one of the best data centers today, including SAS 70 compliance. We kept compact ProLand 1600 tower machine on it, attached the monitor. I saw a local wireman who used his local skills to give us a plug point. We plugged it in. From somewhere came a jack with internet cable. We plugged it in and we were on. So from that perspective, seeing water dropping on the tables and servers, seeing pigeons flying in and out, to building up a distributed data center with thousands of servers and petabytes of storage was literally seeing the evolution of internet in the country. And the challenges we faced was something that I also explained during my first appearance as a country representative in MOG when we built Reddit Mail. Uh, it's basically the full form as message anti-abuse working group. People who deal with a lot of spam stuff. And Larry Ennis was the chairman. He said, Sumit, can you describe India, why it is different than the rest of the countries? And the answer was very thought-provoking for them, is what he said later. I said 89% of the country runs on cyber cafes. 50% of the PCs run pirated OS. And internet average latency is 800 milliseconds to 3 seconds to connect. And an average speed is 14.4 kilobit per second. He said, wow, this sounds like an evolution or developing nation's fabric. I said, yes. But at the same time, we are very confident that this country has potential and future to become one of the best leading countries and show the world how internet can be consumed. So the initial challenges were one of latencies, pirated PCs, internet not working, uh, a, a strange noise-making MTNL modem connects or not connect, hardly any broadband present, Cyber cafes, rationing people by 20 minutes, 30 minutes of which half the time will go in internet not being available. And from there, what we saw as an evolution of leader is we decided on one most important fact. When the whole world was hosting their infrastructure in US, we took a very bold decision. We hosted our infrastructure in India. We hosted it on top of the backbone of this country, which was the undersea cable carriers at VSNL. And what came as a result was fantastic latencies and performance for downloading web pages and experiencing the products to the users. Opportunities were born out of the challenges that were faced on the ground. And as I said in my first answer, a great question was defined. Can we solve the latency problem? And a good product with a great problem solving became a great product. And that's what we built as Redo.com. In other days. Thank you so much. That was indeed a wonderful journey. So, how were the products developed to accommodate low data speeds during the early days of the internet? It's a very interesting answer, and I'll have to give it to you in a couple of parts. I saw the birth of a web browser in front of my eyes in September 1996, called as Netscape 3 Beta Gold. And we were introduced to the world of HTML. And Internet Explorer, Microsoft product, then realized that. Wow, somebody is really eating into a new market share called as web browser market share and they created something called as Internet Explorer or IE. We, we saw the birth of IE4 in front of our eyes in late 99, 2000. I don't remember the exact date. What happened is they came up with a concept called as DHTML or dynamic HTML where on page you can replace the content. And that gave us the insight saying if we make the pages lighter, 
and the images are loaded after the page is loaded. We we had a concept in a very old HTML schema called as load something on a low resolution and once the page is downloaded, load something on a higher resolution. We leverage those levers of HTML by literally reverse engineering it and build fast loading pages. So pages will not be cooked where people are requesting it. Pages will be pre-cooked and they'll be delivered. And then came a master stroke with the later versions of browsers that they started supporting what is called as more gzip, which is you can actually download the pages compressed on the wire. So a 75 kilobyte web page while transferring is only eight and a half to nine kilobyte. And they will be actually uncompressed on the browser at runtime and the page will be rendered. So a combination of DHTML, uh, low res, high res tags, the understanding of how the page can be compressed and delivered and progressive download, which is give the next template of the web page as people scroll down was some of the first principle driven techniques, but a very effective techniques to make the whole internet experience very fast for the user. So just to give you the, the, the proof of the pudding, I still remember when I had gone to a cyber cafe and that cyber cafe was getting inaugurated. The guy will open www.readifmail.com and if the page is loaded, he'll say my job is done because internet is working. That is what we built as the fabric. And that is what we built as a performant web page delivery. So these were, there are no secrets anymore because it's a given in today's web page development. But the, the, the lesson we learned is never move too much far away from the first principles. If you know how to build a good web page, and if you are on a low latency network, which is you are co-located closer to where the endpoint last mile is, you end up delivering faster response. Thank you so much, Sumit. So what innovative strategies were employed to generate revenue and sustainable business in that era? How did the landscape of monetization evolve since then? I should tell you a, a nice uh, story before this. Before we became a product development company, Rediff on the net was the first name of Rediff.com. We were web solutions company. Of Fortune 500 companies, at a point, 80 to 90 companies' website is something that we developed, managed, and hosted. So revenue model obviously was website building, maintenance, and stuff like that. But before we went and listed on NASDAQ, we understood that the name of the game is not to remain as a web solutions company. We, we need to get out of that business and build what we call as the real product-driven business because Hotmail and Microsoft and Sabir Bhatia were the buzzwords in the town that time. And that whole Draper investing into Hotmail and Hotmail is defining the internet, Sabir Bhatia is a pioneer, all these things. So the name of the game was building products. And the revenue model was a evolution once the product was built. So what do you do when you have money that you've raised? You build product for mass adoption. And once the products are built for mass adoption, always have something to be sold to. So this is something that a Twitter CEO once said, that if I have enough people using my product, I'll always find something relevant to sell them. So as you know, the first display ad was somebody taking a photograph of a hoarding on the road and fitting it on the web page. Display ads became the primary business model. 
and as our email became more and more popular i must say that we are one of the pioneers i'll not say the pioneer but one of the pioneer who started sending relevant promotional emails in a native ad format now this word is commonly used but imagine we are talking about 20 years ago era where in your regular inbox you will see a specialized email which is a sponsored email and that became a great revenue model the uh, display ads became a great revenue model and subscription as a business of email started much later and that became a revenue model of its own where we started selling me at my company com domains and email address and storage and other services and believe you me even after two decades these two revenue models which is advertising and subscriptions still stand tall which creates a sustainable revenue model for the company though i am not there i know they are the pillars of revenue models even today so the evolution of revenue models evolved with the evolution of the product and it moved between ads text ads a sponsorship which is we'll give the entire page for one day to do a new auto launch new car launch new phone launch etc we call it a, a big splash campaign and sales people were masters because we had audience with us and they really came up with innovative ideas and generated good revenues thank you so much sumit so what are some of the most significant milestones or turning points that have shaped the india's digital landscape i can tell you the things that i have witnessed in 25 years and when we talk about digital landscape my answer will be very biased towards the internet landscape let's talk about two or three major things that those happened in the country we were not great adopters of feature mobile phones so as a country we leaped from from no phone to smartphone at times i feel we got smartphones without fully understanding how to use smartphones in a, a regulated manner the the evolution of internet happened when the mobile internet became near commoditized and you have to give the due credit to the telecom operators for achieving this otherwise india india's internet population was stagnant between 60 and 100 million for a very long time unlike china or us where broadband to home was a very important concept to proliferate the internet the key milestones i saw is when cyber cafes were used with better internet connectivity when instead of powering and firing phones with expensive moderate to high speed broadbands people started realizing that internet can be used in offices in a much more open environment so offices started getting powered up with better internet connectivity i could see fathers and mothers uh, completing their sons and daughters assignments in office after office hours thanks to the internet availability in corporates the evolution happened when the smartphones became the first introduction to internet for the new generation a big big change and due credit given to apple to literally change the way we live today i i keep telling people that apple changed our lifestyle and silently i'll say gpt will change the code of civilization but it's for years to come but anyways coming back uh, the leapfrogging of internet on mobile 
and government's push for digital drive. Look at the infrastructure five services on which we stand as a country today. We file our tax returns in a uniform format called as GST using the portal. Our vaccinations to our identity is connected with mobile and OTP on Aadhaar. We have a complete access connectivity and the price of a bottled water for getting high-speed 4G and 5G internet connections in your hands given to you by telecom operators. Thanks to the, you can say, backing or non-stopping of the government. We People created and leveraged UPI. If UPI was a creation, COVID became a trigger for this creation. We are talking about 835 crore transactions happening on UPI per month. My Sabziwala takes 10 rupees on UPI by putting a hand in his wallet and getting a printed QR code. So, the organized utility products do evolve the shape of digital transformation in any country. So, just to summarize, cyber cafe to office-powered internet, leapfrogging of feature phone to smartphones, people just did not have a need to have personal laptops anymore. Introduction of internet in this country is smartphones. The government initiated backbones like UPIs and uh, NEFTs and net bankings and GST portals and Aadhaar's literally shaped the digital transformation of Aam Admi. I'm giving a name to a common man in such a way that it became an indivisible part of his lifestyle. And that is what I call digital transformation. Digital transformation is not building newer social product. Digital transformation is giving a utility in people's hand with a flexibility of usage guideline. Today, people's business drops if there is no one. Maps. Look at the location-based services transformed the way millions of people have jobs in this country. Right from Ubers to Ola's to Swiggy's to Zomato's. A guy who's not a literate guy. Literate guy. Uh, he says, Saab location pe aya hum. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even belong to the city. He looks at his mobile app and the Google Maps and earns a respectable income is the true proof of the pudding of what digital transformation is all about. That was very insightful. So, thank you so much, Sumit. So, how was the transition from old-fashioned data centers to cloud and what were the main challenges and advantages experienced during the migration process? I've been a good student of the cloud infrastructure that was provided by big companies since the CLI days, which means the command line interface days when the, the UI interface also was not available. By the way, I hope you are all aware that Amazon's AWS was their internally used product to boost their infrastructure during Christmas time and Black Friday or Cyber Monday sales. So a great problem solving became a great business model. Perfect use case that we talked about. Uh, coming back, as far as Rediff goes, I can give you this answer in two parts. In Rediff, we always be believed in building rather than buying. So I would rather say we built the whole cloud infrastructure. I still remember uh, summer of 2000 when I and my CTO then Venki, we went to um, US to evaluate a very cutting-edge company at that time again started by a fellow Indian in Valley called as Spidera. And it was the first of a kind caching mechanism which can cache your content on the edge and deliver it faster. 
bringing in of spedera in india was championed by reed then and without mentioning the names our competitors used our infrastructure to serve their cash content for initial 3 to 6 months till the time spedera would create their own infrastructure so the cause was to create the fabric for the country so evolution of the cloud started way back then where we offloaded our static objects such as images javascripts and html pages to these caching servers the reason they achieved a better ssl handshake and they achieved a faster delivery because they were even closer uh, associated with the points of presence where the internet was connected the second evolution of cloud in redif happened is when we started hosting multiple products and services on top of uh, the same physical infrastructure and that was a microservice virtualized infrastructure of a kind which we literally created without creating an environment like zen or vmware so as the redis story goes for cloud you know evolution and innovation we adopted it tactically more than strategically to make sure we leverage the cloud for its truest sense and i can say this with a lot of experience backing me that cloud is not cheap you feel oh it's 17 dollars a month i can just spawn it the 17 into 17 as they grow becomes unaffordable so everyone once in 3 to 5 years goes mad and says am i spending so much and they again shrink the cloud and optimize it again to just blow it up so we learned these lessons in early days and we made sure we're the only use cloud where it's needed the most which is flexible infrastructure variable compute power and burst infrastructure requirement at a short intervals completely different story on work that i did for 3 years with the european company the entire infrastructure was built keeping cloud in front of so rather than investing a single rupee in buying any server we leverage more than 15 services of cloud infrastructure to create the complete service and platform offering ranging from its scalability to availability to security to reliability to backup recoveries maintenance dedicated hostings and legal compliance so two stories to look at to my mind if i had to summarize the evolution of a cloud just remember two things just because cloud is easily available doesn't mean you should swipe the card and buy it buy it only when you need it and always give it a relook every 90 days whether you are really using it or not the evolution of cloud has happened phenomenally well because cloud hosting providers have learned fantastically from the user feedback you see the number of services i keep telling these people that if you have a problem in your mind assume 50 people had the same problem and the cloud service providers have solved it so just look for a solution rather than posing the problems as long as you are posing it in front of their support team you'll get the solution in place so cloud's not cheap but cloud is the most effective way for any startup to go kickstart his applications they allow you to flexibly grow and shrink on demand but it's very easy to create a bad design of a cloud it's very it's it's like it's very easy to write a bad code in certain languages it's very easy to create a bad design of an infrastructure using cloud technologies so you should have the expertise built in house and use the cloud 
in a very matured manner is what my suggestion thank you so much sumit so in the dynamic tech industry staying ahead of the competition is very important so what was it like to be indigenous when google and facebook entered india and what strategies has rediff.com employed to maintain its position as a leading internet company in india back then the answer will not have only the positives while we did cash on the wave of building the infrastructure in india we did understand that building lean products and making them deliver objects and pages faster making them do task faster is the name of the game and we did create the right set of campaigns and create india for story we did miss a couple of waves and we were not very strong holds in those regions while we could beat yahoo and hotmail to a large degree uh google's gmail evolution again we you know the story then a one guy did it as a side project and he was told by founders if you reach a certain audience we'll look at it and today they stand on that pillar as a google sustainable model what they built was something that we not fully embraced in time but we did embrace it in our uh, professional email or a business email service so ajax was with a tagline is not to load the page faster but be patient for a few seconds and achieve your tasks in a rapid speed as if you are working with a desktop forget the internet after it so if you remember the way gmail used to load it will show a nice progress bar and people will wait patiently for a few seconds apart from the marketing gimmick of trading invites what they did was they really made the g work with a gigabyte storage which was continuously uh getting upgraded by few bytes every second so that gave that fantastic punch to people i have unlimited storage and ajax made people wait for a few seconds with a belief that once it is loaded i can achieve my tasks faster we embraced it very well in our business email and it created a very dominant uh platform for people to onboard as it is relief mail as a name was definitely well known as the most assured product so there's a difference between qc and qa we gave quality assurance it's like when japanese people make hero pen they don't unbox it they say take it home we know it will work similarly we said it's relief mail we know it will work so that whole assurance was translated with these new technologies when we built the professional email service talking about facebook facebook taught world two things they did not create web page as one unit they created it as a unit of loosely coupled components so they always said fail gracefully if a particular component is not behaving only that component will get closed and the rest of the page will load so they will always land in using a safety net they will never go wipe out on the page and obviously they invested in their own set of technologies and especially javascript engines in a in a good way so we did give social network a few tries we also succeeded in few social networking experiments we created a fantastic messenger by the way in between there was a era called as a windows installed messengers so our toolbar and our messengers were very popular we had redif toolbar and our messenger was called as redif bowl very very popular system at that time we directly took gtalk head on at that time but we did miss some of the waves not by the technology but by the timings uh 
and we compensated it by creating the the alternate products like paid email or the news that we serve today uses some of the modern techniques and still could stand tall. So it's not all victory songs, laughing all the way to the company, but it is a mixed bag of experience, but we still stood our ground as maybe the one of the rare internet companies which is steadily firm on the ground for the last 25 years and still run. So what were the key factors and strategies enabled RedF to successfully scale from its early beginning to become a full-fledged portal offering new shopping, money, mail and other services? We first launched Redif Mail and Redif E-commerce on August 15th, 1998. Before that, we had a very interesting product that made us very popular. This is the first assignment that I had when I joined and I enhanced the capability of that product. We had something called as Reader Guest Chat. It's a simple two-pane window where on one pane users will ask questions and on another pane celebrity will answer those questions. And as a good employee, we had no bar. So suddenly I unwear my or I remove my hat of a developer and I wear a hat of a press person. Go and sit during elections in Congress office and interview people and do celebrity chats with them. So that whole content as a medium, when people will do a beeline in front of these celebrities, the medium itself was so novel that it caught the attention of celebrities from all walk of life, ranging from a industry of entertainment to politics to businessmen and everybody. I have seen people like Sachin Tendulkar's and Anand Mahindra's walking and walking out of the office doing these chats in our late 90s. So, we built our news first. Our news was actually real-time breaking news because the guy who ran it, ran it with internet-aware purpose. They did not run it as a night edition which is published in the morning. They ran it as a real-time service. So, news became our flagship. Then we moved out of web solution the way we talked about earlier and we moved into a product development scenarios of building email and e-commerce. We, we sold books, we sold apparels, we sold everything. And then it just kept on building one after the other where we took experiments with instant messenger, with toolbars, with stickiness, with social experiments, creating Rediff pages, uh, moving to search engines, creating uh, a BB products which are trying to be useful in terms of people using it for corporate use, people creating groups, message boards, and so on and so forth. But what stood tall in all these is what even in those days and even in today's days, people do. They search, they read, they communicate. So news, email, and searching became the mainstream products of which we were dominantly present in two of the three products. Scaling these products had two challenges. The code that is written for million users will not last for 10 million users. So in my own little experience of 21 years in the company, we rewrote the entire Redifmail code seven times. With each iteration, giving the next leap for us to scale further. So from hard disks, we went to attached hard disks, to NetApps, to network attached storage, to the storages which are uniformly accessible. So we created a file system layer 
where six petabyte of storage can be uniquely addressed from any location, from one server to a virtualized servers to multiple servers to servers which are hosting multiple services in a new service architecture is the evolution on that front. And code was rewritten looking at the power of hardware, the power of cloud and the usage behavior patterns. So we literally took the core code of MTLA QMail and completely rewrote it for our use. So the contribution that I could do during my tenure there is we rewrote the DNS server, we rewrote the mail transport service, and we rewrote the file system. A good system engineer builds scalable product. And that is what we've been practicing and that's what made Redux scale in all these days. Thank you so much, Samay. Throughout your extensive experience observing the internet evolution, how have you witnessed a business decision influencing the design choices and subsequently shaping the trajectory of product development? It's a very deep question. I'll try and simplify the answer. Understand the metric with which internet was measured and how it impacted the design and how it impacted the revenue. What I saw and witnessed, everything started with internet saying how many hits your site has. And hits can be an image hit or a HTML hit or a JavaScript hit. So people started loading a lot of images on the web then people say, oh, this is not a correct metric. Then we how many impressions your site has. So people only started counting HTML pages. And then came an era where there'll be pop-ups and pop-unders that we loaded when you load a screen. And people started looking at uh, impressions as the metric. Then people started talking about user sessions and cookies evolved. So people started saying, oh, if the user is there for 30 minutes, let's count it as one session. So people started flushing cookies and create new cookies and say, I have so many user sessions. What I'm trying to tell you is something that we did not do as the basic ethical practice. But what I saw happening of evolution around me across companies and what led to the changes in product design. So PHP was very popular when user sessions came in and Java. So then cut the user session saying, you see the cookies, I have 2 million users. And then from user sessions, it went to unique users. So suddenly people started logging in users. So free login, quick login, instant login, social login, Google login started becoming a new norm. From unique users, people started talking about downloads. How many daily active users you have upon monthly active user to understand what is your overall usage pattern. So people started re-engagement methods where they will retarget the users. The whole advertising is to bring you back to the site. People said, if they come one more time to my site, my valuation goes very high. And today, from Daomao, the latest metric that people talk about is how much percentage of users use you as the first service or a primary service. So see the evolution of the metric, which drove the evolution of the product and its design ranging from truckload of images to low images to pop-unders to pop-ups to deleting cookies to creating user logins to retaining their logins when they come back to understanding the down mouse to fingerprinting the users transiting their status between PC and mobile seamlessly. So ultimate metric today and in between I forgot a metric called as time spent where people started retaining these products in a hide mode saying, okay, it will run in the background. You need not keep it in the foreground. So see the way the design was led by the metric 
and the metric was gamified by the design and the design led to technology technology led to revenue and again it circled back to the met so as the metric matured design matured then the hunger went the design gamified then it got scaled at an inflection point they said just change the metric so this is a very beautiful evolution if you ask me this is almost seeing a homo sapien evolving from monkey to a man and i could see this whole evolution of internet metric leading to the designs mobile first terminologies came midway and if you look at it my first introduction to computers was set of icons on pc then it became a portal where for everything you go to one web page and again on mobile we are back to those little little icons and again there are efforts to make one super app where all is under one roof so these sinusoidal waves keep on happening in one's life if one takes a step back and look at it as a macro view you'll really start enjoying it and seeing what is the next metric that is coming up with this so that's how i saw the design the revenue models the product and the metric intertwined with each other to create what i call as a matured internet ecosystem for the country or the world thank you so much sumit for sharing all these beautiful insights with us so as technology evolves rapidly what emerging trends will significantly impact the product management and tech industry in the coming years it's a very difficult question to answer but i'll try and answer with my limited understanding i see three trends emerging apart from many in my own limited understanding very formidable in this space human interface with technology is going to grow rapidly you literally look at yourself you look like a mini iron man from marvel cartoon today wearing a watch wearing a having a mobile phone in the hand wearing a bluetooth the nfc's the bluetooths the a uh, fast tag on your car so the amount of sensor driven devices which are emitting information are just going to increase the the mac addresses will just fall short people have to evolve the next set of 6 billion devices which are connected and exchanging information in entertainment or utilitarian fashion you also use your goggles for vr nowadays so i see a lot of evolution and innovation happening in human interface with technology space the second aspect i see the big trend is going to come where the platform will not value but there will be so much code written as bill gates said there will be two a kind of people that will exist on the planet computer literate and computer illiterate there will be two kinds of people in tomorrow's world people who will build so much for the remaining 95% that remaining 95% will only become user and 5% will build enough for these 95% i know enough cxos today who stop writing and they say hey chat gpt i am very annoyed with my khalid write a angry mail yet very subtly without hurting his ego and i won't like to convey i am not happy with him. and it does the job so what is story like i'll give you a very funny example what is news in the age of internet a funny answer but a very deep answer if you look at it if dog bites the man is it a news no if man bites the dog it's a viral news so similarly the unthinkable snackable 
shareable consumable patterns with a very high spurt of virality and fizzling out is what is going to grapple us around our lives your life will not be a master of one life but it is being on top of something which these 5% people are thinking you should be on top of as a end consumer which will circle around you and dance around you you end up buying only those 18 and a half thousand products and the long tail is becoming shorter and deeper the concept of long tail is changing as we change so ai with not just a type answering but ai which is going to do work on your behalf laziness by doing these services in tech enabled human resource formats and automations by we becoming more and more engulfed with wearables and human interface devices will shape the future of digital transformation in my humble opinion in coming years thank you so much sumit sir for sharing all these wonderful insights with us so could you please share with us how does your typical day look like any interesting stories now my typical day looks little different as jack ma says you don't do things in 40s what we did in 30s and you don't do the same things in 50s what we did in 40s so i'm 50 now as as they say men's corporate corporate sana which is a sound body has a sound mind my day starts little early i do give my body some daily dose of walking and stretching and yoga for an hour i try and spend some quality time with family that's very important for me in the morning i i do catch up on my reading um in the morning with a cup of tea after my walking is done i work for 6 to 8 hours depending on uh, the need of the hour or the need of the day but i do take a break in between because what i have started uh, focusing on is quality of work than the than the quantity of work so i am when i'm working i am focused working on a particular assignment and at times the days do get stretched to 10 to 12 hours but i usually don't let that happen the tv time is reduced drastically we are also early dinner people now so my my dinner is done by 7 and we are all done the whole day in terms of the active planning is done and then spending time with friends catching up with people listening to new podcasts understanding what is happening in the world and closing the day becomes the regular routine uh i realized the value of uh, people as i was a crazy workaholic during my younger days i understood that balancing life is very very important not just for oneself in terms of keeping the body healthy and the mind healthy but also meeting good people man is a social animal nobody eats alone right even eating is a social act and uh, i try and catch up with my friends they are all my age group they are all sons and daughters are studying somewhere emptiness syndrome is catching up quickly with them so i spend some good weekends with uh, friends i travel i i write a few poems in my free time and i keep my left and right brain active so that's how a typical day goes so it's 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 good um uh, graceful mid aging is what i am doing now it is some reading some creating some writing some talking some catching up it's a mix back that's really wonderful sir so we'll conclude the episode by your three favorite book recommendations and also people who inspire you the most in this space see before i tell you about three books or uh, uh, 
the people who inspired me the most. There are many people who made me what I am. Right from my school teachers who in the 8th standard introduced me to computers and I got passionate to my graduate professor where I did not score good marks, told me this is not the academic record of a person who's come all the way from Mumbai to study, which inspired me to work and the PhD professors from VJTI who inspired me to think out of the box, the, uh, the likes of Ajit Balakrishnan and Venki who shaped up my professional career, the authors of great softwares like uh, Andre Beliki of uh, Nutch and Otis Gospodnitik of Lucene and Russ Nelson of Qmail and dozens such people who groomed me what I am today. Uh, I'm a sum average of people around me and I became better because I worked with the best. And that's what I say, God is kind and I'm fortunate to be in that state, in that phase. Uh, so I cannot take one name, but still if I have to pick up a few books and few names is to keep me happy. I, I'm really inspired by the book by Robin Sharma, which is the monk who sold his Ferrari. I get inspired how to look at problems and solve the product development by taking insights from Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One. And uh, I stay focused by what I read and inferred from E.U. Goldrack's book, The Goal. So these three books uh, really help me shape my vision thinking in a good manner. And I have been a good reader. I have read a few thousand books by now. So, but these come in top of my mind who really helped me think apart from Alibaba the house that Jack Ma built kind of books which gave me insights how a person should be and of all these people who made me what I am today apart from my mother who shaped me as a good human being it's the CEO of Reader Fajit Balakrishnan who really showed me that you can fly with the wind beneath your wings Sam Altman who always showed the people how you should think about the next wave and Jack Ma, who showed how to create an ecosystem. You you should be inspired by people who always push you to do something bigger and better and make an impact which counts for everyone. Answer may not remain stationary few years down the line as we evolve, but as of today, that's the answer. Thank you so much, Sumit, sir, for sharing all these wonderful recommendations with us. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and I really appreciate you taking time out and it was a lovely session for me because you really helped me walk down my memory lane. It's almost nostalgia plus recapturing my life in this format. So thank you all for this. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for having me.